session with Dr. Farid Hulak. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 310-441-0555. So because... Uh, Monday was Labor Day. I did not have a show and I didn't get through the book summary. I'll do that in just a second. But before I do, announcing the book for this week, it is Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel or Perel. Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence. I've talked about this book before, uh, but you can also check check out a TED talk she did where she summarizes some of what she talks about in the book, um, but haven't done it as a book of the week yet. So I wanted to do that for this week, Mating in Captivity. So I hope you'll join me in reading that and I'll talk about it on the show Monday night. But the book for this past week was How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain by Lisa Feldman Barrett. How Emotions Are Made. It was an interesting book, and I'll be honest, sometimes a difficult one to get through because of the neuroscience research that she was talking about, and I I thought the middle of the book was a little bit slow because of that, but maybe it was just hard for me to grasp everything she was talking about and had to reread some parts. Um, But I'm very happy I read the book because in it she presents a new, or at least new to me, way of looking at emotions that challenges the classical view or classical way we tend to think of emotions. So how we tend to think of emotions, and a lot of research supports this view or even looks to prove this view true, is that there are these emotions that we have in our brain or even parts of our brain that are devoted to certain emotions. And when they get triggered, we feel that emotion. So I have like an anger part of my brain And if that gets triggered, I feel angry. I have a fear center of my brain. And when that gets triggered, I'm going to feel the emotion fear. Um, And that's basically what we've thought. And we've also assumed that these emotions or a set of them, for example, um, let's say anger, sadness, uh, happiness, disgust, fear. And I think I named like five. Let's say there's another one. Those five or six um, are these universal emotions that we see everywhere. And they did research to prove this to be true. And she talks about how there was some faults in this research and faults in this idea that we have these universal emotions that have evolved within humans and that we share them with other animals and even sometimes insects. And there's research talking about insects experiencing emotion. But what she talks about is this other theory or her theory that she says is more supported by the research, especially more recent research that suggests that emotions aren't something universal that are just existing within our brains and just get triggered, but rather we make emotions because we assign to them that um, 
feeling that we talk about or that emotion. So sadness isn't something that just exists in reality, but that we have socially created something we call sadness that we then share with each other. And socially we create this idea of the emotion. So when you experience the emotion, although it feels automatic and is happening, uh, it seems to happen instantly. It's actually your brain in a way interpreting what's going on or telling you that you feel what we call sadness. And this can be hard or even counterintuitive. It'd be hard to to believe or understand because our emotions seem so real and they seem to be happening so instantly that we can't think or it's hard to think that we are somehow involved in the process. And I think that's even why the book is called How Emotions Are Made because in a way she's saying we make the emotions more than we just uh, feel it or experience it. So analogy she uses is kind of like when you think right now I'm looking at this desk around me, which is red. And to me, because of what I experience, it seems like, well, there's this really a red thing out there that I'm then observing objectively. And then my brain sees it as red and that's it. When really it's not, there's an actual thing called red, but that certain wavelengths of light when they are reflected onto the back of my retina. And then by the time they get to them, my brain, I see it as this color that I call, or we call red. So that's essentially what we're talking about, is that although our senses seem very real and automatic, similarly, although our emotions feel real and automatic, there isn't exactly this way of looking at it. So essentially what we're saying is just like our perception of sensory things is influenced by our brain, we might think we're just seeing what's out there, but it's not just bottom up, meaning that there's something out there, then my brain then sees what's out there, but that our brain has a big influence. Similarly, when it comes to our emotions, it's not just something you're experiencing. It's something that your brain at some level is interpreting or helping to predict what you feel. Uh, she shares an interesting story herself about how when she was, I believe, in graduate school, a guy asked her out on a date and she didn't think she was very attracted to him, but she said yes anyway and went on the date and she said she was surprised because she thought she wasn't that attracted to him. But when she was with him on the date, she felt all these feelings like, wow, I really seems like I really like this guy. And she felt interested or excited and all those things. And then when she went home, she started feeling more ill and it turned out she had a flu. And what she recognized or was able to realize later on was that it wasn't the fact that she was so attracted to this guy. The thing was that because of the flu symptoms that were coming on, she had some, you know, let's say what feels like jitters in her stomach or that butterfly feeling, or she thought it was the butterfly feeling, but it was actually the flu symptoms that were starting to show themselves. And um, this is a good example because although you might not realize it, this is happening to all of us all the time. I shared the another study that she talked about in this book that I think is really uh, fascinating. And in some ways, it's it, it's sad when you think about it, but it's that judges or these parole boards who were determining whether people could be released early on parole, uh, they found that they were more likely to reject the parole if it was right before lunch, when they were hungry, rather than after lunch or when they were not hungry. Um, that they felt more okay. But during that feeling when they were more hungry or that time, they were more likely to think, oh, I don't have a good feeling about this because they weren't feeling good. And they attributed that to the person that was in front of them, that I don't feel safe, for example, letting them be released or I don't feel like they should go 
but it was more that negative feeling they had physically that they had a hard time uh, interpreting or understanding, or they interpreted it as something emotional. And that's a big theme in this book, is that our emotions and our thoughts, although we think of them as very different things, they aren't necessarily different things. In some ways, an emotion, or when we call something an emotion, like I say, I'm feeling angry, that is a cognition that I'm creating. Now, the sensations I might be having, we might see them as different, or the feelings, but that that's not exactly the same, or saying that they're, they're different things is hard to tease apart what's what. And another thing she talks about when we look at the classical view of emotions, that, okay, anger is this, sadness is this. If you're sad, you're going to feel this way. Well, research shows that we don't always feel the same way when we feel sadness, or even physiologically, we don't always feel the same. Or something like anger, you might think, well, probably my heart rate goes up and uh, muscles get tense or whatever else you might feel. But sometimes when people say they feel angry, they don't. Their heart rate might stay the same or might even become slower. There isn't some universal thing called anger that we have to accept as everyone experiencing it in the same way. Not only that, she talks a lot about concepts and these emotion concepts, and that in different cultures, there are emotion concepts that don't exist in other cultures. So there might be a word for something in a certain language um, that we don't have in another language or culture. And this could be why sometimes when, for example, for myself, who doesn't speak very fluently uh, when it comes to speaking Persian, but I, I can understand much more, I can see this feeling that some words capture how you're feeling better than others in diff in other languages. Like you might say something in one language, and when you try to translate it, it becomes difficult, or you recognize you can't just translate it with one word, that feeling, because it's not something that just the other culture has. And she shares some of those examples in the book. For example, I don't want to even say it because I don't remember it. Ms. Mr. Mabel, you might know this, but there's some phrase in German that when you're feeling some pleasure from someone else's misfortune, which... Uh, maybe it doesn't sound like such a good thing, but they have a word for it, um, schadenfreude, something like that, that is expressing this feeling of feeling kind of good when someone else has something bad happen to them. But it, it shows us that emotions aren't these universal things that everyone has exactly the same way, that it's much more about culture and experience, the way we're creating those ideas and those concept. Another thing she talks about, which for me was interesting, was the idea of the triune brain, or that there's like these three brain parts. That has been a theory that um, many people talk about. I've even talked about it on this show, I believe, that we have a reptilian brain that's for survival, and then there's like the mammalian brain, which is about appetites and drives and things like that. And then we have the more human part, the cortex, which is the rational part of the brain. And this is not true, but people still very clearly hold on to this view of the brain. And for me, it was good to read that. And I looked more online to see other research and other people talking about it. And it's been basically debunked that we don't have these three different parts of the brain, that one part is just rational and one part is emotional and one part is reptilian, and that other animals have th these same parts of the brain that we have maybe in different ways, but it's not that we're the only ones that have a certain type of brain. So that was something else that this book uh, illuminated for me, that this idea of how we view even the brain itself is not really accurate.
And related to that, as I mentioned before, the idea that certain brain regions are devoted to something, so there's like a fear region, she calls them brain blobs. And so we'll, we'll hear research and it'll say amygdala is the fear center. So the amygdala is fear. But when someone actually experiences fear, the amygdala is not the only place that's involved. And even people who have lost their amygdala, some of them don't feel fear the same way, but some of them actually experience it quite normally. So it's not just that one part of the brain um, is focused on or is, is needed to experience something. There is definitely plasticity in the sense that the brain um, can, different parts of the brain can do different things. This term she talks about a lot in the book, degeneracy, basically that many different parts of the brain or many different neurons can create the same mental events or experiences. So the book was eye-opening for me um, to, to learn this new model or view of the brain and how emotions are made based on current neuroscience research. I actually want to look more into other people. I read some critiques on what she talks about to really fully understand it. There's a lot of new neuroscience research and the theories are basically the best understandings we can have at this time, but we know that that can change, just like many of the thoughts we felt about emotions have evolved. But that big one for me is this idea that essentially, or that these, there were essentialist views of emotion, that we have these universal emotions that are very real and that everyone has, but it turns out that culture and society plays a much bigger part in how we describe these events to ourselves rather than just actually experiencing something universal, something that still I'm trying to wrap my brain around and also keep myself mindful of when I talk about different things. I recognize the way I'm so used to talking about the brain and emotions is part of the old model and see how I can modify that. But I'd recommend the book, like I said, at times very technical and the neuroscience was hard to, for me to grasp at times and I had to reread it, but it does present some interesting ideas that I think are worth reading. So that's how emotions are made by Lisa Feldman Barrett. And again, the book for this week is Mating in Captivity by Esther Peril. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. We'll be right back. go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air? Yes. Hi, thanks for calling. Hi, I'm, I have a question. I'm trying to get separated or probably file for divorce, okay. but I don't know if I'm making a right decision or not, and I just need your uh, input. I've uh, been married for 10 years, but I met my husband um, six, 16 years ago. Uh, he's been married before, and he has two children. Uh, they are 129, 121. And uh, we do have a daughter together. She's seven years old. And, um, and and how old are you, and how old is he? I'm 38, and she's, he's 20 years older than me. Okay. And... Um, uh, it, 
I went through a lot with him and um, tried to make, make, you know, to the best of my power to make this marriage going on for the sake of my daughter. But uh, after giving birth to my daughter, things changed so drastically. And um, uh, uh, during my pregnancy, he mistreated me and uh, um, and M- mistreated you how? not coming home, um, leaving me alone when I was in my pain, and I need him to support me emotionally. Mm-hmm. When, and um, until um, my daughter, um, she when she was born, um, he um, didn't come home for the first month. And uh, even when he brought me from the hospital to the house, he just left me right away the first day. To go where? Um, just uh, excusing that, oh, he has to return to work. And uh, and I just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I am, um, I carry so many pressures. And um, he, um, this year is the 10 years of our, I mean, this September of our anniversary. And from the beginning of this year, he started to do things that, I feel like he's um, preparing me for a divorce. Um, he basically um, c- uh, cut my allowance and um, to half, and then he um, forced me to sign the papers that he has lots of rental properties that he purchased. But before make that happen, he forced me to sign it. But he promised. Um, if anything happened to him, I will own it. But um, until then, um, he just want to be a sole proper owner, property owner. Um, sorry if I speak like I'm kind of emotional. I try just my best. Mm-hmm. I hope well, I sure, and no, I understand. That, that's fine. There's a lot going on, um, and there's a lot you've already shared, so I can talk for a little bit. One thing, you mentioned staying together for your daughter, and I'm sure you know this. We, staying together for your kids is never the right idea what i always say is you can work on the marriage together for the kids but don't just stay together for the kids but it doesn't seem like you have a husband that working on the marriage is something he he cares much for tell me about when you met him what attracted you to him um um first of all um i always want someone who's well educated and i thought with the education he would understand okay what's his what's his education um, uh, he's a private, he's a physician and he's a private practice, he's okay. a physiologist. Now what um, you said, uh, you were saying you thought with his education he would understand what better? Um, maybe treat or understand women better. Okay. With the more education you get. Yeah, which is totally unrelated. That's, a, you know, that's something I hear a lot from people. They say, so-and-so, you know, they went to this school or they did that, so I would expect them to be better in relationships. You know, someone's IQ and their academic success and their EQ and how they are in relationships are basically completely unrelated. So we should think nothing about that. So if someone went to Harvard Medical School, we shouldn't think they're going to be a good husband or wife because they went to that school. They were smart and they probably worked hard and all of that. But as far as how they're going to treat people and how they're going to be with someone, that tells us nothing. If anything, sometimes someone could think more highly of themselves than other people we have to be aware of that and they might not even treat us well so 
Um, the reason I'm saying that is because I hear that all the time. People say, well, they went to this school, they did that, so I expected him or her to be good in relationships. It has nothing to do with each other. And we can right. look at so many successful and educated people throughout history that have been horrible partners and been unfaithful and done all sorts of horrible things. So it has nothing to do with that. But that was an assumption you had. And of course, your age difference with him is something we'll have to look at too. Right. But okay, so you like that he was educated, okay? Um, but if I give you, let me give you a brief. Um, I mean, I know you, you have a, sh I have a, not, I don't have enough time. But when I met oh, go him, ahead. Uh, um, he, um, when we first met, he never told me that he's been divorced before and he has a kill, um, he has children. And How uh, long did it take for him to tell you that? Um, after six months, he starts talking about his daughter first, and then uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I have, I can't hold it anymore because she's the, my life, and I have to this this." And um, okay. I that uh, sounds. To, I mean, I'm sure hearing it now, I hope you hear that, that doesn't. That sounds really, really bad and almost um, <laughs> right. I mean, can you yeah. can you see that? So that that's a huge red flag. Yes, and but, and then after but I mean, that, but the reason why I'm saying later, that. That six months he's not telling you about it is bad for so many reasons, including it seems like he was trying to almost trick you. Exactly. Yeah. But then uh, three months uh, prior to that, he told me about his son, too. So, um, and then he You mean three months after that or prior? Prior. So he told um, you after three months? People, I'm confused. Yes, after three months. Yes. Okay. The son, three months, and the daughter, six so months. So he told you, I have a son? Yes. And, and then, and then he, But he didn't say I have another kid? Okay. And then he gave me an option. He said, I know at this point, um, you know, you're going to leave me this and that. And, of course, um, I mean, after three months, I was very falling in love with him. And I was young. So anyway, um, so I um, I just continued my relationship with him. But then after a year, I decided not to go with him anymore. And uh, we broke up. But then he somehow found me um, somewhere. And then Wait, hold on. I want to. The reason why I want to stop you there, um, to to be to for someone to find us, we have to let them find us too. And I'm just saying that for anyone who's listening, because I hear that a lot. People say we broke up, and then somehow we got back together, as if we're talking about if it rained tomorrow or not. You you it was you chose to be back with him. So he approached you again, but it was your choice. To get with him and to be with I him again. Right, yeah. Okay, so it's, I'm not about trying to. I'm not focusing on blame, but I want to understand the responsibility no, you mean, have and anyone I, listening I, I, I to like, remember that. You know what? I am. A, I I got so many blame. I'm just now to, to the point that I'm just living my life just for the sake of my daughter. I don't think about me, or I don't think about how how long I'm gonna live, or you know, I don't think about me anymore. Well, I am. Th it's not black I, or white. I, Taking care of yourself is still going to be important I obviously I don't see myself anymore but what I'm trying okay. to say here is my my daughter she um, lately like past two three years she sees a lot of altercation and as much as I try to not have that happen in front of her 
uh, to the best of my power, but um, he just turned the, you know, pushed the button, and I unfortunately get too emotional and I yell and I scream to take it out. And uh, for a few times, my daughter see that, mm. and now he's to the point that he's uh, turned and twisted all this story, and he said, "Oh, you knew I have a children, and you came to my life, and uh, you should have think twice before you know you start this relationship, and now there is a door you can exit." You know, and um, I told him it's not me and you anymore. It's this little girl that she really wants us together. Mm-hmm. And let's just try to make up for the sake of her. And, and you know, he he's a great father to her, you know, to my daughter. She, he's a wonderful man. And um, he does you haven't described So far, you haven't described a wonderful man. But one thing I also think is very important is when we say a great father or great mother, they also have to be a great... Uh, husband or wife also because that's part of creating part of being a parent is being the partner to their other parent and what they see and creating that environment in the home so uh, you can't tell me a woman or a husband is abusive I'm not saying he is and then tell me they're a great father or mother because just what they're doing is hurting the child so much that we can't say that so you're responsible to also create the household and the environment of the household and that's important too. But the way you've described him is that he disappears for periods of time. I didn't hear you. you the way you were talking before is as if he'll disappear for periods of time, like he won't come home for. Yes, yes. Like for how long? Uh, a week? Uh, a month. But uh, what? what month. You mean he literally doesn't come home, or he just comes home very late and goes to sleep? Um, no, no, no. The, he after my after having a. My daughter, he left uh, for a month, and then he came back, and then uh, he, the way he talks to me, I'm afraid to ask him, where were you, or anything, you know, because i always afraid, if what if he going to divorce me, or what if he cut my allowance, because financially, I am dependent on him, even I graduate from uh, um, interior design, and I was working before having a kid, but um, since I... I am. I, I stay home taking care of my daughter because of, of his job situation. I can't work because he has a flexible hours, and um, uh, he thinks he can control me. And, um, and in well, and you're and you're letting him too. You've created that but, situation but with him. I have no choice. Okay. I have no choice. Okay, so so his children but, used to come to the house to make the story short, and um, they used to do all the disrespect, and um, they just come to my face and say, "This is our dad's house," and this and that. So um, I got to the point that I had, uh, I mean, I banned his children to come here because I said, uh, "If you come here, you need to respect me, not see me as a maid." And um, since then, um, he. Every night in the middle of the night, he wakes me up and he says, you have to give me an answer. Why my children are not coming here? And when I go over and over and explain it because of this, because of that, I mean, they can come here. They're welcome, but they need to respect me, too. He always takes their side. And um, so I don't get enough sleep at night. And uh, and uh, lately, he doesn't come home um, uh, like in a routine. He just comes home once a week. And... Um, but where is he the other nights? Uh, he stays at the hotel. What, does he say why he's staying at a hotel? Because he lives about, uh, I mean, he works about an hour and a half away where, from where I live. Okay. Um, anyway, my daughter now is 
the, I think I see the sadness in my daughter. Sure. And um, she, when I, we go, like if he comes home, uh, we I don't make dinner. We go out for dinner. She said, "Daddy, daddy, please hold mommy's hand." Or daddy, daddy, if we sit in a car, she asks daddy to put his elbow next to my elbow on the armrest. Or he says, daddy, please kiss mommy's hand, you know. And then she comes to me, she says, see mommy, I told daddy to do that. And, um, hmm. uh, and You're really, this is really hurting her. And, oh, and what's, uh, yeah. but continuing it is hurting her more. I mean, yeah, she's blame. You know, she's gonna start blaming herself for you guys not loving each other enough because she has to tell you guys what to do. Uh, of course, every yeah. child wants their parents to have a loving relationship, but if they can't have it, then it's better for them to not be together. Yeah, but you know, the reason that I'm calling today to, um, I try to put my thoughts together to see if I can make this decision or not because last week she was sleeping next to me and she told me, "Mommy." If daddy didn't love you, why did he marry you? I don't get it. And I said, you know what, Persia, it's okay, let's go to sleep. I tried to change the subject because I didn't want her, but I know she holds many things in herself. Of course. And I don't want, I don't want she get any more uh, damage. You know, I try to, I want to make her happy, healthy kids, but I think I'm, I, I failed as a mom because I tried my best and it didn't happen. Well, I mean, I don't want to say it's not about if you failed. Yes, it's. I, I think what she's going through is very painful. But of course, a mother and father have to create that together. And you guys, it seems like you never had that. I don't think you, the, you haven't told me, you said he was educated, but what else about him you liked? I haven't seen and I don't know what keeps you, what, what keeps you in the marriage now other than saying because of my daughter, which, you know, I'm not going to accept as a reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have answers. What do you love about I him? I don't know. Because um, mm, <laughs> um, you haven't described one thing about him as being... Even when you say he makes... I, I, I don't know him, but I mean, you're saying he's a very good father. If he doesn't come home that much, that that's not really being a good father but when but when he's home he's just totally dedicate himself to my daughter okay and, so as a babysitter uh, yeah okay yeah and but, i'm sure um, your daughter's so happy to see him because she oh, misses absolutely. him right but yeah. that's because she misses him and it's her dad but it doesn't seem like he's really investing the, the time to yeah. be a good father yeah you know i have to tell you as a he, um, he, like, during my pregnancy, he um, cheated on me many times. And uh, because of his title, he used to flirt with nurses. And um, um, I couldn't say anything. And when I tried to bring it up, he said, you're delusional or you're this, you're that. You make this story. You just need to go get a life. Try to put me down. And I am now to the point that I cannot, uh, it's like I, I, I don't have any self-esteem anymore. No, I'm and sure it sounds I, like, I mean, being I, with him has really put you down. But we have to also look at what, what got you here. You know, we're at a commercial break. I do want to talk to you some more. So just hang on oh. the line. Let's talk after the break, sure. okay? All right. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back.
welcome back. Let's go back to the caller. You're with caller, you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you know the situation you're describing is not is not good at all. The way you've described it, and it's hard for you to, to mention what keeps you in the marriage other than maybe the fear of what's going to happen or if you can take care of yourself. But after the divorce. No, no. I just stay in a marriage because of my daughter. Okay, because but I, feel, I mean, um, what you've how how would you describe what you have with him as a marriage, other than legally? What what do you guys have together that makes a marriage? Nothing. nothing. Yeah, because that's how it feels when the way you're describing it. There's no connection. I, I, there's no rela- relationship. He doesn't make yeah. you feel good. You guys don't. You know, your fa- your daughter's forcing affection. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, I am. Um, few months ago it was my daughter's birthday and um he told me if you want to make me happy you need to contact my children and uh, have invite them over so they can start coming back to the house although my parents were doing don't do this but um i did uh call them i mean left them a message and, and just invite them to their little sister house and they didn't come and then when i told him he said yeah because it's all you they don't want to see you and um i want to take my daughter uh, to uh, t- to go and see them, and you are not, you can't come with us. And he's been doing this for the past uh, few weeks. He's taking away my daughter. You know, even we we are still married. And if I ask him, let me join you all, and he said no because my kids don't want to see you. But so things got a lot worse. And um, mm-hmm. the only thing I'm now concerned is if I get divorced. Um, like he said, he was divorced couple times and he said um, he won on his divorce battles uh, because he knows how to manipulate judge uh, to take it to his favor so uh, and that really pushes me back that what if because of the title or the money that he has he can win over me and um, I don't get any rights or anything I, I am so afraid of that that I lose everything. Well, yeah, and I, I don't know enough about what's going on and what would happen in your divorce, so I can't tell you that the divorce would go well or you would get what you want, but I can just tell you what you have right now is is really bad and is hurting your daughter. So staying well, together I, for I, her I, is not helping. Yes, I want to uh, tell her, do you think it, it would be wise if I ask, if I let her know that mom is planning to do this, or if, uh, how can I uh, talk to her that she won't get hurt, but um, keep her hurt. Well, she's going to be hurt, and that's what you have to be ready for. It's not going to feel good for her at any time. So we're not talking about preventing hurt. We're talking about minimizing damage. So she's going to be hurt because I hear a lot of a lot of parents will say, oh, I wanted to get a divorce, but when I told my son or my daughter they cried, so I didn't. Well, I mean, they're going to be sad no matter what whenever you get a divorce, almost always, just in very extreme cases Will a young child be okay with a divorce because of how bad the marriage is? But almost always they're going to say, no, stay together. And they want you to work it out and they want one happy family. So you have to be ready that when you tell her she's not going to like it. Or if you go to her to consult about it, she's going to say, stay together. And then you're going to use that as more reason to stay together. Well, my daughter said don't get divorced, so I'm listening to her. Um, Sometimes we have to be the adults in the room and make the right decision for our kids. Just like if you go to get a vaccination, if you ask a two-year-old, do you want to be poked by a needle? They're going to say no. But you say, well, this is to protect them and to help them later on. So we're going to get the vaccination. So as much as I'm all about talking to the kids and having them be involved, 
sometimes we have to recognize that there's some choices that we have to make that they can't make or if we let them make they're not going to want to make the right decision in the long term they just want to feel good or also some fantasy of having this happy family that it seems like you guys have never had is what your daughter is going to want so when you tell her you can let her know sometimes mommies and daddies they can't they don't uh, things don't work out for them they don't get along and they have to get a divorce and make two happy homes for and for the kid and the kid gets to have two happy homes and that's what you'll have you know, and you, you can talk to her about it in that way. But I wouldn't go to her until you've made the decision and actually you're going to go forward with it because if you go to her and you're not sure, she's probably going to make you say, okay, don't get divorced because she's going to cry and be sad. So I'd only do it once you've made the decision about it. So with the, so um, what do you think? Do you think, am I making the right decision? Because to be honest, my dad says, oh, no, deal with it. Or like we say, cut off here. And my well, mom said, you know, no, you need to move on because you're a role model for your daughter and you don't want to see what, um, you don't want your daughter to see what, she, you know, well, he's treating you, how since, he's treating you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, obviously I can't tell you do this or do that, but you br- I actually wanted to talk about your parents and especially your father. Um, as you can imagine, when you tell me 20-year age gap and when you guys met, I'm guessing you were 22 and he was 42. That yes. That is pretty significant age difference. And always we're going to think about your father and your parents' relationship. So tell me a bit about your parents and their relationship and then your relationship with your father. Um, they were fighting all the time. Uh-huh. And my dad, he's a businessman and he used to travel a lot. And I, I, every time I go to the airport, I, I used to go to the airport, I used to cry for a couple of days and, and I missed my dad so much. And mm-hmm. um um, but when he comes home, I had a close relationship with my dad versus my mom when, during my childhood and my teenage. I didn't have any 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 good relationship with my mom uh, until I turned, you know, 19 and 20. Then, you know, I, I, I mean, I love them both now, but my mm-hmm. dad was very close to me, you know. And, well, um, it seems like he was very close to you, but very distant. Exactly, yeah. Well, and it seems like you found a husband who's similar to that. That's probably it, yeah. So you found someone who, you know, he's not there, although even when he's, although it seems like you don't have the closeness with him, um, but it seems like you're used to uh, someone who's not around and not available, and I think you probably wanted more of a relationship with your father, but you didn't get it, and maybe that's why you chose a husband who was more like a father than a husband, it sounds like. So, you know, and, and even their marriage being the way it was, unfortunately, your mom is right about the modeling, but what she modeled for you wasn't very good either to be in a, a relationship that's full of fighting that gave you the model of this is what a marriage is going to look like. And so maybe you were willing to accept a very unhealthy relationship as maybe this is it, you know, this is what it's supposed to be. You know, you made this decision, you met him when you were 22 and to me, that's, you're very young and he was 42. So we already think about what he, what do you think he was looking for at that time? Well, you know, he always told me that he always liked young women. Right. Uh, that, yeah. Okay. And, um, he always um, told me a woman after age 30, they, they're they not good, they're, they get saggy skin, this and that. Uh, and, you so know, many can things, I, like, so what do you think, 
How do you think that, why did that make you think you would be a good partner, though, when you hear yourself saying that now? You knew you were going to become 30 at some point. Because I thought uh, he will change. Okay. Know? And that's that, one of the biggest mistakes we make, thinking people are going to change. Usually they change for the, the worse, if anything, but assuming they're going to change what they want is the problem that many people, okay, I'm going to make it. I think, you know, maybe he had a certain status, and maybe he was wealthy, or maybe he had something that made you think this is going to be this. I want this guy. I have to get him. So as much as he was tricking you, you were tricking him too, at some level. Yeah. Um, and the relationship—it seems like it was never built on a relationship. It was built on a you know faulty transaction where both sides were trying to get more out of the deal than they wanted to give, or they were trying to trick the other person, basically. And that's what you have right now. What you described to me doesn't sound like a relationship. It sounds like two people who are now legally bound to live in the same home because of a decision they made, but not because they love each other and care about each other. I mean, did well, you, do you I feel... Love, I love him. That was, I love him because when I was in Iran, uh, my parents, they were so strict, and I didn't have any boyfriend, anything, any relationship with men. And um, when I moved here, he was the first person I met, unfortunately, <laughs> I should say now. Okay, well, not, yeah, I but I, I can agree with unfortunately. It doesn't mean you necessarily love him. I mean, I'm not, I mean, you can have some love for him, some, you know, you've been known him for 16 years, but I don't feel like you're not in love with him or you love him for who he is. Yeah, he was the first, you were in a strict home where you had nothing and finally you got freedom. It was very exciting, but that's not love. Yeah. You know, that's just, uh, I mean... You know, if someone is in, in jail and they never get to eat any food and you take them to McDonald's, you don't say it's gourmet meal because it's, it's better than what they had before. It's just because they didn't have anything before. So you, you had someone, he maybe made you feel special and because of his uh, status and wealth and who he was, it was like, oh my gosh, I, this guy wants me. And you probably had some issues related to your father that you were also playing out with him. And, and there you go. But now to, to, to be committed to that decision for the rest of your life, I think you're hurting yourself and your daughter. This is what you're describing doesn't sound like a marriage at all. I see. And even could you tell me, you know, when I asked you what you liked about him, other than education, you didn't say, I, maybe I didn't let you say. You but, know, he was, he was very kind, to be honest. At yeah. the beginning, from the beginning, he was very, very kind. And, and How would you describe his kindness now? Not kind at all. Okay, and the reason why I'm saying that is kind. You know, we have to be careful. We 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 say these words kind. Kind it comes from a genuine place. But if we're being nice to someone to get them to give us something we want, that's manipulation. That's not kindness. And it seems like that's what you had. He was nice until, um, you know, he didn't. He had you, and then he didn't. It seems like that changed, especially once you had the kid. You said you felt a big change. Um, yeah, because his philosophy is women, uh, like he said, oh, I have a Chinese friend that says women are like, uh, excuse me, but they are like a dirt that you just put your seeds on it, and then that's it, and they're, no, they're not good. And he keeps saying that over and over to me. It really hurts my feeling, and he knows course. that it does hurt my feeling, but he uh, keeps saying that. But, and, but um, I mean, the way he's telling you who he is, he doesn't see people as people. He sees them as things to use. And okay, well, you use it, and then once the woman is after a certain age, they have no use for me because I want, the, you know. So he told you from a very young age, I'm not gonna, or from a very early in the relationship, that he wasn't gonna treat you well. 
when he said after 30 a woman has no use uh, you know it, we can now that you're here and i'm sure you recognize how would i think that's a good long-term partner um and you know you wanted him to change and you were just tricking yourself which we do in different ways okay he's so i have to make this work out oh it doesn't matter he said that he's going to change of course we're going to fall in love and then he's going to change his mind or people say oh i'm going to make this person want to have kids or not want to have kids or whatever it is but you just idealized the relationship and felt like you had to make this the one and you got him and you probably thought you were you won and you got lucky but actually it was the worst thing that probably happened to you and now it's up to you to make a decision of what to do going forward yes. just because it happened Doctor, yeah yes i um i have to tell you 16 years ago i called your dad um ex i exactly remember what your dad told me that uh, sometimes we have this uh, we just pick, pick the trash out of the street and call it as a like a boyfriend or mm -hmm. and he highly recommends not me not to continue this relationship but unfortunately i was young and um, i didn't listen and yeah. and that's uh, i mean that's why i'm here now yeah well i w you know i don't want you to wait 20 more years until my son has a show and you call him and then ask him if, if you should end the relationship then. So I hope you recognize my, you know, my dad is good at what he does for a reason. And he realized what you were doing was not good. And I think you see it even more clearly now. And just because there's a, a child involved, although that is sad, doesn't mean that you have to suffer for yourself and suffer for her in any way. And be ready that it's going to be hard for you. And you talked about your own self-esteem and, and lots of things. You're going to have a lot of work to do. And even the fact that you've been in this relationship is telling us something about you that you have to, to, to grow from this and work on. But what you described, I think you know what you, you want or what's right to do, but it's just hard to do that. And I hope I hope you'll make I'm the best afraid, decision. I'm but that's why I try to see what would you recommend me. How, what can make me completely ready to just move you, well, on? Well, that's a good point. You're never going to be completely ready. You know, when people make these kinds of decisions, there's no 100% feeling for these kinds of things. And if you're waiting to feel 100% about it, you'll never get there. Almost, I mean, unless something really, really bad happens. I hope it doesn't get there. But people even decide to get married. It's rarely 100, 100% or they decide to get divorced. 100% usually we don't get that. And if you're waiting for that, or if you say, well, it's wrong until I feel that strongly about it, you probably never will. And in a way, it's an excuse to not do what you think is right. Is it going to be easy, painful, scary? Absolutely. And it'll always be those things. Even that doesn't mean it's a wrong decision. That just means that's how a big change is always going to feel. So don't let those things tell you that it's the wrong decision. Um, you know, because it's going to be that way no matter what. It's going to be scary and difficult. But lots of times the hardest thing is the right thing. And this might be one of those cases. I, I want to say might. It seems pretty clear, but I want to make sure you make the decision at the end. Sure. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to another caller. 
Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Hello. Um, hi. No, I don't even have it. I'm sorry. Hi, uh, doctor. I wanted to talk to you about a situation I have made with my own sister. Okay. It's a very rocky situation. Um, briefly, I'm the oldest child. Mm-hmm. I'm 62 years old. Said, sorry, how old? I'm 62. Okay. And I have uh, a sister and two brothers, and they are... We're all four years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I left the country right after the revolution, but my family, they all stayed there. Um, I, bo- I lost both my parents while um, I was here. And I think my sister went through a lot to just take care of a lot of things on that end. And then she also was uh, facing the conflict and um confrontation with my two brothers when they both had parents passed and with the financial you know how it goes with the mm-hmm. state uh, money everything you name it she went through a lot and somehow we as a daughters didn't inherit anything which i care less but it was important to her mm-hmm. she was having a rocky relationship with her existing husband with two kids and she had to go through divorce so she needed money. I ended up helping her financially as much as I could for her kids go to school and then get uh, any kind of financial help that she needed, uh, divorce, uh, find a job, go for school, for herself, whatever. And everything was okay. In the meantime, I also petitioned her so I can bring her over. At least she can come over with her family. Mm-hmm. Make a long story short, uh, it took almost years for the petition to go through, and she got approved with her kids. Unfortunately, her daughter was not eligible because she passed the age limit, and she was granted with a green card uh, for her and for her son. Coincidentally, and this is 2005 that she got approved, but by the time she was able to come within 2007, I'm sorry, 2007. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, same year, my husband was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer, mm. and uh, it was really rough. Mm. He didn't like her much. Uh, they had some differences. They always uh, there were some likes and dislikes, and uh, but unfortunately, the timing was so bad that with him having a cancer, he became totally a different person. He got even worse that he didn't want to even see her in the house. She wanted to say I helped her to get a job and ask her if she can move out so he, I can control my situation at home better. But she took that to her heart. That was the first hit as a negative thing on, in her mind. How long did I she live with you? Um... Almost for, I want to say, a couple months. Okay. She came in May. She was diagnosed in July, and she was diagnosed. So your your service, your phone is breaking up. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the cell phone oh, where I'm you sorry. are. I'm walking. Okay. Stand in one corner. Yeah, if you can, because it keeps it cuts I in and out. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 
Uh, it was breaking in and out right there too. Um, Hopefully it gets so better. Is it better now? Can you hear me? Yes, that was good. Go I'm ahead. I'm not moving. Okay. So, um, one thing to another, when she was doing divorce, um, from, before she come here, she met someone, and I um, ended up talking to the gentleman as like a friend, and uh, and I was telling her how I feel about him, and unfortunately I shouldn't have said that. I was too honest. And uh, somehow while she was she moved out, she started, you know, giving me a hard time over everything. That she came here uh, because of me, and I wasn't able to help her for anything. So after almost um, three years that she stayed uh, and she went back home and she never came back. Okay. Ever since we have a very, very bad relationship. Um, I heard that she didn't anybody back home, any family members, even my brothers are not talking to her. And um, right, and our relationship was based on just texting each other, calling here and there. And recently, she's so bitter that I cannot, I cannot describe it. That um, she's being very harsh. She can say anything she wants. I just keep it silent. I try to keep myself calm, not to add anything to her. I know she's hurt. I know she went through a lot, personal life, you know, everything. And now the relationship with that gentleman broke up. And she thinks that I'm the reason for that. And because of that, she she hates me and she doesn't want to talk to me. It got to a point that all the messages that I get in the middle of the night, I get up, I read them, and just sit there and cry. Because I can't say anything. I well, you, you can. You can you can tell her if she's being disrespectful, you can tell her that. You understand she's hurt, but she can't hurt you or keep putting you down or saying mean things to you. The way you've described her, I'm only hearing your side. I'm sure if I heard her side... I might get a different perspective too, but from what you're describing, it seems like she likes to put responsibility on other people. She believes me for everything. Yeah, yes. or see herself as the victim of everything. Yeah. And yes. not take responsibility for her own life. Yeah. And and, and so you might also be you you might also be playing a part in that by making yourself more responsible for her life than you need to, or feeling more responsible, and that's how it seems that you're somehow to blame for her misfortune. Now, someone can go through something difficult, but to say then that it's your fault is not okay. And for you to say that, well, because she's gone through something hard, I'm going to let her say whatever she wants, it's not really helping. If anything, you're making her probably believe more and more that she's right. You are to blame for everything. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it, at least from what you said. Maybe with that guy, I don't know what you said about the guy, and you could have been more political or let her know in a different way, let's say, but you know, to say you're the reason why they broke up. And I don't know the way you described it, they probably were together many years, right? Yeah. Okay. And, um, it seemed that, um, uh, I mean, I, I do blame myself for things that I might have said wrong. I'm human. I may have made a mistake, but I, okay. I, I meant well. I didn't want to hurt her. No, it doesn't sound like her it. Eyes, 
And I wanted to open her eyes, especially after what she went through with the first marriage. I didn't want her to go through another case. Yeah, of, but even uh, in how drama, you, yeah, no, which I agree, but how you even talk and how you're talking about her and the way you're even saying all this with almost like an anxiety, it, it, seem, it seems very clear that you take on too much responsibility for other people. I think I am that way, Doctor. I don't know Yeah, why. maybe, well, the oldest kid and almost seems like you had a caretaking role. And then my parents passed. I felt like I play a mom now, yeah. you know? Right, and and even as a, even if you were the mom, you know, you're not responsible for everything the kid feels. And especially she's not even a kid, she's an adult. But on top of that, you're the sister. But it seems like when she's down, she has a hard time handling it and she likes to blame it on you. And then you almost take it on as, yeah, it was my fault. But she doesn't take responsibility. I mean, you know, she came here. You helped her come here. It doesn't seem like you forced her to come to the United States. She asked for you to file for her, right? It wasn't that you said you have no, to come I here. Did ask if I can help her to come here, and I said, fine, it's okay, I can help you. Right. So I did you, my best, and you, yeah. I, I never thought that this thing is happening. No, I'm sure you didn't. But so you, you again, so her saying I came there because of you, or, you, you know, that's not really, it's not your fault if, she was unhappy here and she came here and you were in a difficult spot with your husband who was dealing with brain cancer and i hope he's doing well now i don't know no unfortunately that's another mm -hmm. part i want to tell you that um the following year after you know 13 months exactly from time he was diagnosed passed away mm, i'm and sorry to hear that through this time you know i went through a lot of um you know uh, hard times myself because i yeah. felt like my my life was uh uh, upside down and felt like a truck run over me mm. and I didn't know what I'm doing I didn't have this sense of right mind I may have said something I don't know what it did I have two uh, kids myself that they were still in college I was trying to help them to lift their, their soul and their spirit and be strong for them be strong for myself and then I had her on the other side yeah but and, and again I'm very sorry for your loss and you went through a lot of pain and that was something i thought when you were saying before oh well she's been through so much and maybe she has but then i was wondering you've probably been through so much too and your responsibility is to take care of your so much and to take care of you not and i honest to god i said to her the day that i asked her i took her guilty the day i asked her to leave the house and i just said please understand me i'm trying to get my life back together i'll be there yeah. for you and I will help you. Anything I can do, I'll do for you. But let me just get my life back together right now. I don't know if I'm coming, I'm going. I don't know what's going on in my life. And God, my witness, doctor, I had to go to uh, to therapy. Mm -hmm. I had deep depression that I didn't mm -hmm. even know I have it. I went to, with the, uh, met for medication that I was refusing to take it because I felt like I don't have it. I'm going to, like a drug I'm going to get addicted to. And I refused it. But by the time six months later, I got so bad that... Yeah. I was. I forced myself to take medication. Well, I'm glad, and that's it's not a bad years. thing. Taking medication is not. I and you know, I've worked with so many people that that stigma is so strong of taking medication. But sometimes it's very necessary, and I'm glad you did. But there was something very interesting for me that of what, about what you said when you said I was in a deep depression that I didn't even know about, because exactly. that tells me again of how much you're focusing on other people and taking care of other people that you don't even notice your own feelings or even if you're suffering really I, severely I, I was so dumb I, no you're, it's I, I not about dumb that. it's not about dumb I but was, it's a, a way of, of of looking at life you know even uh, it was the book of the week last week a book like codependent no more might be a good one for you to read because it seems like you're so used to taking care of everyone else that you're very good at neglecting yourself and not even realizing what's going on for you 
So your sister can be upset or go through a breakup and somehow after she dated some guy for many years, it's your fault if the relationship ended. You take on responsibility for things that absolutely are not your responsibility or you have no uh, control over. And, and that tells us a lot about how you're probably living your life. And that's, that's what I'd want you to focus on is, you know, your, your sister's probably going to be upset no matter what, but I'd want you to take care of yourself even more and not even, you know, can you make the relationship better with her? Maybe, but only if she wants to make it better too. And only if actually it has to be very different from how it's been. And this way of that she can just tell you whatever she wants and you have to remain calm and hold it inside. You don't have to do that. You can tell her, I don't, I don't want you saying these mean things to me. I don't think it's fair for you to blame me for these things. Yeah, she's going through a lot, but guess who else is going through, through a lot? You are, and you have. So I don't want you to forget that and keep thinking about, it seems like when you have a conversation with her, you don't even hear how you feel. You only think about how she's feeling or what she might feel. And I think the reason why I'm saying that, it's a way of being for you. I don't think you do that consciously. It's just the way you interact with people is that you're focused on how they're going to feel more than how to even listen to what you're feeling or what you want or think. Sorry, it's breaking up. I couldn't hear that. Can you hear me? Yeah, a little bit. It's still a little bit unclear, but if you can speak loudly, it might help. Okay. No. Um, yeah, we're not getting it. It's it's really coming in. Um, okay, try again. Okay. That's can good. You hear me now? Yes, much better. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go stand by that window. That is <laughs> a good reception. I'm sorry, I'm on my cell phone. Okay, do you hear me now? Yes. Okay, good. I, I I honestly know that she has uh, she's sick herself. She's uh, she has depression, really bad one. She doesn't admit. I tried so hard to make her go to see a doctor, seek help, but she refused. And uh, that's part of my problem with her. I don't want to disconnect with her and totally separate myself from her because I feel like she needs me now more than ever. Because now I got myself back to where I should be. I did a lot of therapy. I still, to this day, I'm doing therapy. Good for you. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah, and it helped. And I since I even, uh, met, uh, you know, met your father, and I'm listening to all these conferences and everything that he say is just like a, it's really tremendous. Great. Help me. Good. I'm not the same person I was uh, nine years ago. <laughs> but I want to help her, but everything... I do is she analyzed me for every little word I say she translated to something negative yeah Yeah, no it is well well, I mean you know and and again it's like as soon as you're doing well your first thought is you have to go save everyone else and you just need to save you that's the only person you need to save and you can you can't help someone that doesn't want help it just doesn't you can't you can try to drive yourself crazy and and run yourself into the ground trying to help her but again it's not your responsibility and i'm glad you went to therapy and maybe you know about the concept of codependency but i think it's something you would benefit from um reading that book or at least reading about codependency because it seems like you you have all these shoulds or even you said the way you said it when i got my life back to where it should be that should of like somehow you were doing bad before as far as like you weren't performing well or doing it right that tells me again of how 
you can be so hard on yourself and then think it's your job to fix everyone else's problems and take care of everyone else. You also have two kids, but now I think they're adults and hopefully taking care of themselves. Yes, they are. Thank you, God. Yeah, they graduated, good. and I'm so proud of them. Great. And, and, and But you need to be great. taking care of yourself. That's You don't need to help your sister who's in another continent and doesn't want your help and is mean to you and is not being nice to you. That's That's not your responsibility. If someone so I stopped answering her, and I'm not texting, I'm not calling. Oh, good. But if, I don't know why in the back of my mind I feel guilty all the time. Because that's, you're going to feel guilty no matter what. That's kind of unfortunately where where you're, you're going to go with almost anything that happens. You're going to find a way to feel bad about it because you could have done it more perfect or better or they suffered still or they have pain. Uh, but and I'm bring, not selfish? You don't no. think I'm selfish? I do, from what you described, not at all. Again, she's over there. You're trying to help her. She's being mean to you. You can tell her, I'd like to have a relationship with you, but if you're going to be mean to me or angry with me or disrespect me, it doesn't work. And maybe she's just not, she won't be able to do that. It might. Maybe she just needs to always have a scapegoat. Of course, you played your role of becoming that for her and saying she could always blame you for everything. But if that kind of relationship continues, you're not going to be happy with it. If every time something comes up, she has to put you down or anything time something goes wrong in her life, it's your fault. That doesn't work. But again, what I really like about that book, Codependent or More, is the message of everyone is responsible to take care of themselves. Of course, we support each other. We're there for each other. But ultimately, your responsibility is to take care of you. Her responsibility is to take care of her. If she has a relationship that doesn't work out, the way you described it, it wasn't like you were over there interfering with it constantly. That's about her and that person. And maybe even they were not supposed to be together. But to take responsibility for that, that tells me that you take on way too much responsibility for things that have nothing to do with you. And I would want you to focus more and more. I'm glad you've gone to therapy and taken care of yourself more. But to keep focusing on that, making sure you're okay and you're happy. You're not, you're not allowed to just survive. You're also allowed to be happy and enjoy your life. As soon as things get okay, you don't need to then go back to suffering for other people. You can take care of yourself. Make sure you're okay. Do things you like. Maybe even if you want to date again or be in a relationship, that part of your life you can focus on. But you don't have to just sacrifice for everyone else. I, it, 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 I mean, that didn't even cross my mind, Doctor. About dating again? About dating. <laughs> well, I think because it shows again that you don't, I don't think you listen to what you even want or think or feel. I, I think what you said for me was so telling. I was going through a deep depression that I didn't know about. That tells us how disconnected you are from yourself, your feelings, your pain, your wants, your desires. Maybe you want to be with someone else, but you think you're not allowed to because you have to honor your your husband, your, your dead husband and the, your kid's father, so I can't be with anyone else. But maybe you really want that. Obviously, I can't tell you what you want, but I get the no, feeling no, you can't tell me either. Right. Now, uh, you know, fortunately, I have the two beautiful kids that they constantly tell me that I have to do what makes me happy. Yes, And good. they're all the way with me. They want me to be happy. Good. And they always say, Dad will be happy. Anything good happen to you when you're smiling. He's just smiling. And they always praise me for all of these things. But it's just my own. I am, I am extremely conservative and reserved. And I try to, I don't know. I am from old school, doctor. Well, I, I know, know. I mean, but you're also... From the school of uh, everything you do is going to make you feel bad. So just don't do anything wrong or something that anyone might not like or dislike, whether they're here or gone or wherever they are. You just don't want to hurt anybody and make, you just want to do good. But you're not doing good to yourself as much as you can. 
you, you can be even better to yourself and give yourself what you want. I think you're even afraid to know what you want. Because what if it's something bad? What if I want to date again? <gasps> no, that makes me a bad person. I'm old school and traditional and all these things. Maybe you want that. And I would really want you, and I'm glad you're going to therapy, continue going and really get in touch yeah, with what you want. What is it, if you had the life you wanted, what would it look like? What would it include? What would be yeah. there? And and give yourself that. You deserve it. You don't need to, to save your, your sister who is back in Iran and fix her life. Just continue working on your life and giving yourself what you want. And you deserve it. And you shouldn't feel guilty about it or think that it's selfish. Giving yourself what you want is not selfish. As long as you're not hurting or taking from anyone else, but as long as you're giving yourself what you want, nothing selfish at all about that. So I hope you'll, in your eyes, become more selfish, but recognize just love yourself more and take care of yourself. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate you I calling. Really take good care. for your time. Oh, thank, thank you for you. calling. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. We reach another commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to a next caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Uh, hi, Dr. Fayed. Hello. Am I on the air? Yes, you're on the air. Okay, great. Um, sorry, my English is not as good as you, but I'll try my best. <laughs> That's all right. You're doing great so far. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so uh, my issue is regarding my uh, baby's uh, father, and um, I'd like to know your opinion on this matter because you always have a great and in some way different point of view than others. Okay. Um, so um, my baby is two months old now, and um, when uh, we realized that I'm pregnant, her father wanted me to um, not to keep the baby, basically. Okay. Are you guys and, married? Uh, uh, well, that's the thing. Okay. Um, you know how, how we have this, like, temporary kind of marriage now back home? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, like, one of those, but, but we were so in love, and, like, the plan was, like, to stay together, and, you know, like, it was, like, a forever thing, and uh, we were both in love, and uh, to, I mean, I had other experiences before, but it was the deepest I have ever been in love. And, uh, how old are you, I and how old is he? I'm 32, and and he's 29. Okay, and have you guys had ever, either of you been married before? Yes, I have, and okay. but he wasn't. Okay, how 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 long ago were you married, and how long? Um, it was like um, I was like 19, but it was like not like a full full marriage kind of thing like we were like engaged and then um i was so young and um he was also so young and then it was such a bad choice and a terrible mistake so um yeah and we ended it okay. uh yeah after like i guess it was like a couple of years but um yeah so and okay. then 
And then I was with other guys, like I was like his girlfriend, boyfriend thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so this relationship was really, like, really, really, like, good, great. And I never wanted to, um, you know, to to do anything that harm that would harm it. And it was he he was the thing. Like he would tell me that his biggest fear is to lose me. I mean, losing me was mm-hmm. his biggest fear. And um, so everything was going really great. And uh, until I. I became pregnant, and um, he wanted me to to go ahead with an abortion, and I was so against it. Both, uh, I guess, both for me morally, and also because it never happened to me before, you know, like by accident or anything. And I was like, I'm 32. I'm also scared that if I go through an abortion, I, I'm, you know, this might. Um, I mean, I might lose the chance of having a uh, baby for, for the rest of my life. You never know. There is a risk. And uh, so I decided that I wanted to keep the baby, and um, he would say that it's either me or the baby. And uh, it was really hard. It was really a hard time, but uh, I made my mind, and I said I take all the responsibilities and I'll, I'll keep the baby. And um, then long story short, uh, she was born uh, two months ago. She's two months now. And um, and then um, so we were, like, we were talking but not, uh, not in good terms. Like, she was always so angry with me uh, saying that um, I didn't listen to him and uh, I made bad choice both for myself, for him, and for the baby. Um, and then we came to the point that I wanted to get uh, the baby's, um, you know, like uh, birth certificate and uh, her identity and stuff like that. And uh, I, I like I, I can totally do all of those. Uh, whether he wanted to um, like do it like in friendly or like I have to to, to get a lawyer. And then when I told him that if he he won't be like participating and helping in this process, I will go different way and I'll do it anyways. And then he he kind of like started talking to me and telling me that uh, well he he will be a part of her life if I don't do anything legally. Uh, like basically, he's asking me not to uh, you know not to. Uh, go uh like anywhere for like from taking from getting lawyer to like asking for her like like basic rights or anything and then he says uh he will uh be in her life and be like her father um so now um what is what happened to your guys's relationship so he you guys ended the relationship he's saying he's saying uh, us is over like he's saying, no matter what, I will never get back with you because I can't trust you. And um, he says uh, that because of that, uh, you and I are over forever. And uh, the, the best thing I can do, he says, is to just, um, you know, be in our baby's life as a, as a father. But he, he even he says that right now he hates her. He hates right the baby? Now, 
yes. Right now, he says he hates. He he doesn't say he hates like the. He says he hates babies in general. That's how he says it. Like he doesn't. Okay. He always felt that way. Like he never wanted to have kids, or he. He never wanted. To, you know, he thinks that it's too early for him. But also, mm-hmm. he says that um, he says he might want to have a baby in twenty or thirty years, and I'm like, in thirty years, 30. you'll be yeah, you'll be like sixty years old, and then that's like nonsense. And he keeps saying that um, in this area, he like he says I'm perfect in every <laughs> like he has this like like narcissistic point of view mm-hmm. about himself. Like he says I'm the king in every area, but in this area. I am the ward, and I hate babies, and uh, I can't be a good father because I lost my own father when I was six or seven, and I disagree because, uh, you know, I'm like not every parent uh, has been, you know, has done mothering or fathering before or learned learned it so that they can be a father or mother now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So now uh, I'm like thorned, um, part like, and I'm I've been you know consulting with my friends, families, and trying to make the best choice for the baby, mm-hmm. uh, because I can't think about myself and what I would want ideally to happen for him to be with us and you know to have a normal family like everyone else. Um, so I, it seems like I don't have that uh, as an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I don't know if, um, and so some people are saying that he won't be a good father anyway. So he, he is just scared right now that if you go through, uh, you know, the legal thing, he, he, he will be forced to do everything and, um, he doesn't want that. And that's why he, you know, he's negotiating with you, uh, so that you won't go after your rights and, um, and then at the end of the day, he won't be a good father anyways, because if he was, he wouldn't be acting this way. Which might and be then, true. Let me yeah. let me do this. We're at a commercial break. So I want to talk to you after after the break uh, a little bit more about what's going on. And I will let you know this as far as the legal um, matters of Iran. I don't know very much to tell you exactly what would happen one way or the other as far as the legal stuff. But we can talk a little bit more about what's what's going on. And I'll let you know what I think. Okay. All right, we'll talk after the break. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. back let's go back to the caller caller are you still there yes okay we got just over 10 minutes just letting you know about how much time we have left so do you have a specific question that you want me to answer is there a specific issue to talk about i don't know how to get her to stop crying if that's the question (laughs) (laughs) i i can tell you quickly the three the three um like options that i've been you know, hearing from others. So, uh, one group of people are saying that um, my my daughter will will grow up and will blame me for not getting her identity the way it is. Mm-hmm. And um, 
another group are saying that no, uh, she will burn the, the birth certificate in right in front of you and blame you for, um, you know, taking a, a chance uh, away from her to to have her her father's love in, in her life. And there's a third thing that uh, this. Two matters are separate. Getting the baby's identity shouldn't um, do anything with um, uh, the father's love. That person wants to, you know, um, be in his daughter's life or not. Um, mm-hmm. Regardless, you should get the identity the way it is. Um, well, so that's that's I, the I last part. The baby can't tell me what. No, the baby wants. can't, and we, you know, uh, won't be able to for quite some time. We won't even really understand. Even I'm not sure I fully get all the the legal side, so we can't expect her to know. But even that's something I thought of what, what you said at the end about how, if a father wants to be in his daughter's life, he's going to choose to do so, not kind of mm-hmm. not use it as a bargaining chip. Like, well, if you don't do this, I won't be involved. Or if you do this, I will be involved. He should want to be with her regardless. Now, does that mean he's going to be involved no matter what and is just saying this to try to get you to do what he wants? Or maybe he's not going to be involved no matter what and is trying to use this. Uh, That I can't tell you. But I don't like the fact that he's using that as a bargaining chip. That if you do this, I will be involved in her life. If you don't do this or if you do that, I won't be involved in her her life. So that's something to to think about when you're making your decision is that he, he maybe is just saying that we, I don't know, but that's the feeling I get is that a, a father's not going to say that about his daughter. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what, what he's going to do going forward based on just something else. Now, yeah. if I can ask you about how the pregnancy happened, was there any part that did you want for the pregnancy to happen? And he didn't want the pregnancy. I'm not saying what after it happened, mm-hmm. but even beforehand, yeah. Um, well, to be honest, because I, like, personally, I didn't, um, like, it was a good, good news for me, if I can put it this way. Like, I, um, I wouldn't mind, because everything was going so well, and, uh, you know, I, I was 32, and everything was so perfect on the paper, and, yes, he didn't. He didn't want to have a baby, but when, you know, when I knew about it, I didn't think he's going to be this, you know, like this bad, like he's going to react this way. Like I thought. Well, had you, had you guys talked about having a kid before that happened? No, not about us, but he would talk about his past experiences with other girls, that how it happened twice with two different girls and both uh, had gone through a, an abortion because he didn't and but he was like it wasn't a serious thing like we were just and I was so shocked because you know um, I was like I, I, I went from here back home but and it was like so shocking how this is such a normal thing back home that like for girls you know to just became you know friends with guys and then became pregnant and do an abortion. Well, well, that can happen. I mean, there's also methods of birth control before an abortion that can be used that you you want to Mm -hmm. think about. But, um, you know, it seems like you were okay with becoming pregnant or maybe even wanted to become pregnant, but he, from the beginning, didn't want that. And I, I was talking about him using bargaining chips, but maybe you were using that also. Somehow that if you but get pregnant, I was using 
using that. Well, that you were using like, that if you got pregnant, he would be stuck somehow with you too. Or that you wanted to have a baby. You mentioned your age, so maybe you wanted to get pregnant. Not that it was completely an accident. You know, I was like, to to be honest, like I wasn't using this to have him. I would, I was ready, even if he wasn't going to be in our life, even right now. Like I don't need him okay. financially. I don't like it, it. Is it would be great and ideal for me if he will be in our life? But it's not like I am using the, or I have been using this. To, to keep him. Okay, you but... Know, I so was we, hoping he would be different. Yeah, but you were... Again, but he told you he doesn't want to have a kid. And you, in, at some level, chose to... I'm not just talking about the abortion part. It seems like even getting pregnant, you were okay with that. Even though he said. So we have to give take your responsibility, too, that you're entering parenthood with someone yeah, who's saying, I don't yeah. want to be a parent, is not a, a good idea. It's not fair to the kid, and it's not a good situation. Uh, maybe you felt like your time was not enough, but out of desperation, we can't put a child in this kind of situation. But no, I have accepted my um, responsibilities, like all of it. Like even no, no, I'm not just talking about now. Are... Of course, now you have to take the responsibility of the child, but I'm saying that we can't just take this action because we want to have a kid and bring the kid into this situation, is my point. Now, that was the the choice... You made, but I, you know, again, that to me is somehow it's not fair to the child to do that. Mm -hmm. But now that we're here, you're trying to figure out what to do. And I would hope that the father would be willing to think about. Let me ask you this when he, he, what is he afraid of as far as going through the paperwork of giving her the identity? What, what does he say? Why does he say he doesn't want that? Because of people will find out or reputation or what's, what's his concern? You know, when when he talks, he's like, I'm not afraid of anything. And I'm like, then why why are you, like, so against, against the fit? And he's like, because it wasn't something that I want. And I'm like, so you're doing this just because, you know? It's, it's like he um, he's so stubborn. When he says something, he, he doesn't want to change it no matter what. But, but other people are saying, no, he's just scared of, you know, his family, his friends, and or, or for people, people sure. who know about this. I don't, yeah, when someone tells me I'm, they're not afraid of anything, that makes me feel like they're afraid of a lot of things, because that doesn't mean anything. So, and you described him as narcissistic, and maybe that's true, and that's what he's he's saying or doing there, is saying he's not afraid of anything. Um, but again, I can't tell you exactly what's going through his mind, but um, for me, someone telling me that I'm not going to be someone's kid unless it happens this way, someone's parents, sorry, unless things go exactly as I want them. It, it's not, it doesn't sound very genuine to me. It doesn't sound real. So I, I can't imagine he really means that. I, you know, if he really loves his daughter, he's going to be in her life, uh, whether or not, whatever the circumstances are, not if, if it's how he wants it to be. Yeah, it seems like he wants things to be exactly how he wants them to be. And he's saying he's trying to push you in that direction. My guess is he is afraid of people knowing or, um, people finding out or how it might affect his life, which it will. That's real. We can actually, you can probably acknowledge that, that he, that he does face some consequences since you guys are not married um, and yeah. what that's going to mean. So there, there's a lot going on there, but I think it, to me, it seems like that's the reason why not, not, uh, he doesn't give any other reason when he says, I'm not afraid of my family. I'm not afraid of this. It's because I'm stubborn and I want it to be the way I want it to be. There has to be a reason you want it to be the way you want it to be, right? I mean, does he give any other reasons? 
no, and and you know he. That's why uh, I don't believe him because uh, he he used to tell me do not go around and tell everyone. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm not afraid of anything. You think I'm afraid? Like blah blah blah. I can go and tell everyone myself. Uh, but it just it it doesn't see, like it sounds so fake. Like he's actually afraid of those things, but he doesn't want to admit. He just says no because it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I what I chose. So it can't be like. And and I'm like, why? Like and he's like, no, don't think that I'm so afraid of uh, a name to be on my you know to be registered on my birth certificate. I don't care about these things. Like like girls like love me like endless girls love me no matter what and I can't be with anyone regardless of uh, what what what's in my birth certificate. But but I don't want this because. Again, it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, yeah, that does. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like your diagnosis of narcissism seems pretty accurate. But um, I would one thing I would say is, no matter what you do, and I, hopefully this is obvious, that your decision is made based on your daughter's best interests in mind. And even when you talk yeah. to him, I would bring it up in that way. And maybe he won't care. He already's made his decision. But the thing that matters most is is her, which I think it's unfair that she was brought into this type of situation where there wasn't a stable relationship or maybe even there was manipulation on both sides that was going on, which I don't think is good at all. But that's the situation you're in now. We can't obviously change that. But you have to think about her more than anything, more than yourself, more than him. It's about what's going to be best for her. And yeah, that's what exactly I want your opinion on. Like, what do you think is best for her? And you know, you're, you know, I know people are giving you predictions that she's going to burn this thing, or she's not going to care, or she's going to be upset. Uh, you know, we don't. There's a lot of things you don't know. We have to make the best decision for her that you want him to be the father to be in her life because she deserves to have the father. But the father has to be a father, not do it in a way that only if it's in my my terms or the way I want it to be, or uh, you know. If I like the the circumstances, I'll be a father, or else I won't. That's not a father, you know. So I would talk to him and, and see what you can come up with. I don't know enough about the legal side of what's going on, but to me, if someone wants to be a parent of the child that's already born, they're either going to do it or they're not. And so that part of it does sound empty to me that he says that. But um, again, you have to at the end make a decision that you do feel comfortable you can explain to your daughter. doesn't mean she might be upset. Maybe she'll blame you, my dad's not in my life, or he is. But you have to make the best decision based on what you can and think about explaining it to her when she's, uh, let's say, 10 years old or 16 years old or whenever it is. You probably have to talk to her about before that. But how would you explain it to her and make the decision you feel best about? And everything then comes down to her. Well, I I think I I gave I gave him enough chance. Like I wanted to to show him that you know I I have good intention. I'm still trusting you, and that's why I've been waiting this long. And uh, but I haven't seen any any sign or any improvement from his side. Okay. And so I think I, I personally think that I mean I, I agree with you that you know parents parents shouldn't be like conditional thing. And um, I'm, and he, she has to have her real identity because I'm not mm -hmm. going to lie to her, and, yeah. and that should be his his choice. He that part I also agree with. I I do have to wrap up, but also a a, a child is always going to want to know their parent, and since you know, I don't think it's fair to deny that from her. So that's another part of the story too. I do have to wrap up the show. 
And I know there's probably more to talk about, but thank you for calling. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. All right. We've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to the callers and listeners and to Rahman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.